Welcome to the Effortless English Show with the world's number one English teacher, A.J. Hogue, where A.J.'s more than 40 million students worldwide finally learn English once and for all without the boring textbooks, classrooms, and grammar drills. Here's A.J. with a quick piece to help you learn to speak fluent English effortlessly. I'm A.J. Hogue, the author of Effortless English, Learn to Speak English Like a Native. Join my VIP program. It's a good time, end of the year, new year coming, time to speak English powerfully, time to speak English fluently, time to speak English effortlessly, time to think in English. You've got to commit to that, you know, you've got to do it every day, listening to those VIP lessons each day, each week, each month, even each year. That's how you, you, you improve, you improve, you improve. You will get those results, but you've got to commit. You've got to do it each day. So join and commit to my VIP program at EffortlessEnglishClub.com. EffortlessEnglishClub.com. I also recommend you can add the pronunciation course. It's a really good combination. The pronunciation course, of course, helps your pronunciation so that people will understand you. It's not very good if you're fluent, you know a lot of vocabulary, you speak quickly and effortlessly, but people can't understand you because of your accent or your pronunciation's not so good. It's okay, no worries, just get that pronunciation course also. It will train you in more clear pronunciation. What that means is standard American pronunciation. Standard, meaning the most common. Why that? Well, because it's the most understandable. That's what most people know. That's why it's understandable. There's nothing, you know, evil or terrible about accents. The problem is that many people don't understand them very well. Even some American accents, right? You know, a, a strong New York accent, for example. They're native speakers, but they can be difficult to understand because the accent is not standard. It's not the common, normal pronunciation. And that's why I recommend highly my pronunciation course also so that you learn that standard, common, really it's the North American accent. And then people will understand you very clearly. An extra bonus of the pronunciation course, it will help you speak more quickly also. It will train your, your mouth uh, and your brain at the same time uh, to, to speak more quickly and effortlessly also. So it really goes together well with my VIP program. Or pronunciation course plus Power English also is a good combination. We are live on Facebook. Today we're doing our book club, uh, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People by Stephen Covey. Today's chapter two, habit two. Quick hello to everybody live right now. As usual, everybody's saying hello from many different countries. We've got Russia and France. Oh, two countries at the same time. India and Egypt and Brazil and Kingdom of Saudi Arabia, Malaysia, Cliffy, hey there, Ibrahim Ali, a lot of face, uh, Nasser, lots of names that I recognize, Emmanuel, Fernanda from Brazil, doing well, thank you, hope you're doing well too, Sudan, Kurdistan, Thailand, land of smiles, indeed, so anyway, hey Ryuchi, good to see you, there's a familiar name, 
Ryuchi has been with Effortless English a very long time. I've met Ryuchi face-to-face -face in person. All right, well, welcome everybody. Let's get started, shall we? Oh, there's Carol. Hey, Carol, good to see you. Um, Ramesh Mina Sevak, also from India, also very familiar name. Good to see you too. And of course, Vietnam, Thailand, Iraq, Australia, Brazil. Okay, that's enough of the whole hellos. I'll be back, all you folks live. Thanks for saying hello. Let's get started, shall we? On to chapter two. Let's don't waste any time. As you know, first I'll do the summary. I'll go through. I'll give you the uh, the basic idea. I might just give you some of my opinions also as we go. Do it at the same time this week. And then we'll come back to the live audience and I'll get your comments and questions and we'll discuss those. Okay, let's go. Chapter 2. The name of chapter 2, Habit 2. You know, it's one habit per chapter. Begin with the end in mind. This is our second habit from the book. Begin with the end in mind. Let's learn what that means. What does he mean by that? He starts again with a little mental um, exercise. Here, I'll change my screen. One second. Okay, he, uh, Stephen Covey starts with another exercise, a visualization, kind of like, you know, he wants you to close your eyes and imagine. Imagine a funeral. Somebody is dead. So imagine there's a funeral. And he kind of describes a typical American funeral. You know, so you uh, you go in and inside the building and the, like the the funeral building, uh, you know, there are chairs and there are lots of people in there. You like you've seen in the movies, right? That kind of American style of funeral. And um, you go in, there's lots of people there and you go to the front and there's the dead person lying in the, the coffin. That's the box that we bury dead people in. It's called a coffin. So the dead person's in the coffin and you look in the coffin as you're imagining, you know, you're imagining and you look in the coffin and it's you. You see your own face. It's your funeral in the future. Hopefully far in the future. So this is your funeral. You're imagining. You know, it's a little exercise, a little mental exercise. Imagination. Imagine your own funeral. Why? Well, he wants you to imagine there are four speakers, four people speak at the funeral about you. They're going to talk about you and your life. Someone from your family, um, maybe, you know, some friends, maybe someone from your work or the community. And they each stand up and they give a speech about you. And this is the part about the this exercise that's important. He says, what would you want them to say? What do you hope people will say about you at the end of your life? I think most of us, of course, would hope that people would say good things about us. You know, what kind of husband or wife were you? What kind of son or daughter or parent, right? All of these things. And then he says, this is what it means to begin with the end in mind. This is the title of the chapter. What he's saying is that we often only focus on today or on tomorrow or this week. Very short-term focus a lot of times. And because of this, we don't think about longer term. We don't have a big picture, a big view of our life. And so we're not clear 
what kind of life we want to really live, what is truly important to us. We forget these things or we don't think about them because we're too focused on being busy right now. Oh, I've got to do my homework today. Oh, I've got to go to work, right? I'm busy. I have all these little things to do. These little small things that make you very busy in your life, they can make you very busy, but they're not so important. So the, the reason he wants you to imagine your funeral is he wants you to he wants you to take a big view of your whole life, you know, from now to the end of your life and to think what kind of life do you really 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 want to live? Another way to say this, what kind of person do you want to be? So it's kind of a powerful thing. If you really do the exercise at the beginning of the chapter, you really imagine it quite clearly, it can be kind of powerful, right? And he says, here's a, one reason to do this. And I, I highlighted it in my book here. People often find themselves achieving victories that are empty. Mm. Successes that have come at the expense of things they suddenly realize were far more valuable to them. Empty victories, empty victories, or empty successes. Ah, that is indeed a danger, and he's right about that. I'm just going to do my commentary as we go instead of going back. I, I agree with him here uh, that many times in life, people, they will choose goals, but not really think about those goals very deeply. They choose the goals because somebody tells them they need to do it, right? Like graduate from college, go into this job, make a lot of money, become famous, whatever. And they'll work, work, work years and years and years to do those things, to get those goals. And then when they finally achieve those goals, they realize it's an empty victory. It means... The success does not give them happiness. They get to this great success and they're still not happier in their life. I often attack Hollywood, but I think for good reason, because they're a great example of this. All these people who, who have worked and worked and worked and done, a lot of them have done very terrible, terrible things to become famous. They had this goal to become famous, famous, famous. I want everybody to take my picture and follow me around and all this stuff. And they finally achieve it. They become big stars. They become famous. And they're not happy. We can, we can see quite clearly they're not happy. And many times they're actually miserable, very, very unhappy people, very terrible people sometimes. So they didn't think deeply enough about this is what he's saying, right? They're just too focused on these small, you know, these goals, but they didn't think about them. They didn't have the big picture of life to really figure out what makes you happy, what gives you a good life. So he says, it's, um, we really need to know what is deeply important to us and to keep that picture in our minds so that we manage ourselves each day to be and to do what really matters most. Okay, so what he's saying is you have to have this big picture, what's biggest, what's most important in your life, most meaningful. You have to remember that every day. Don't forget it. 
Don't get distracted by all the small things that make, you know, there's so many little things in life that we get busy with. But that's dangerous because we can forget what's most important to us. All right, next section is all things are created twice. He says, beginning with the end in mind, this is based on the idea that all things are created twice. Everything is created two times. First, there's a mental creation. First, you create something in your mind. Then you make it in the, out in the physical world. He gives some examples. For example, if you're going to build a house, you don't just build a house, right? First, you imagine the house. You probably you draw out your plans, right? You plan it in your mind first, big or small. Will it be wood or stone or something else? How, you know, how are you going to make it? So you're building it. You're creating it in your mind first. Then when it's clear in your mind, then you build it out in the world, the physical world. So you create it two times. First time you create it in your mind with your thoughts. And then you create it physically. And so he's giving this as an idea of, you know, this is kind of true for our lives too. That to create a great life, you know, to live a great life, first you create the great life in your mind. You have to see it and create it clearly in your mind first. And then you live it. Then you create it out in the real world. This is true for your relationships. If you want great relationships, uh, you know, your marriage or something, then you first create it in your mind, then it becomes real. Or as a parent, same thing. Or if you're creating a company or money, basically anything in the, out in the regular world, the real world, the physical world, um, you have to first create it inside, in your mental world. Which is true, quite clear. But there's a danger about this. The danger of this is that not all creations are by conscious design. What does he mean by that? He's saying that we create a lot of things in our mind that we're not carefully choosing. That a lot of things get created in our mind. They're programmed from the outside, from the media, from schools, from lots of different other people. And we have to be very careful because if we don't think about it, if we don't choose carefully, if we don't create carefully in our minds, then lots of bad things can get created inside of our minds. I uh, very much agree. This is a very Buddhist idea, in fact. Um, this idea of, of you know, the, the mental, that the, the mind is, is the first reality. And therefore, you must be very careful. So, for example, if you watch a lot of violent movies and you play a lot of violent video games, it's more likely that you will start to get have more violent thoughts in your mind. And this could lead you possibly to become a more violent person or it could cause other problems in your life. If you... Um, getting a lot of lies, a lot of bad information from the media, from school, from wherever. Well, then you're going to get a lot of wrong ideas in your head. You're going to take foolish or wrong or bad actions in the world and get bad results. 
So you have to be very careful. He's saying is that your mind is the first place and you have to be very, very careful about your mind. You have to be the master of your mind. If you are not the master of your mind, someone else will be or many other people will be. Right? Your, ma- your mind can be a slave, a slave to the media, a slave to schools, a slave to outside people, outsiders. Or you can be the master of your own mind. And that's kind of the choice. So he says, of course, he's saying you should be the master of your own mind. That's how you have freedom. That's how you have power. That's how you create a great life. That's how you create happiness in your life. You must be the master of your mind. It all starts inside your mind first. It's all created here first is what he's saying. Good or bad or both. They're created in the mind first. I very much agree with that. Okay, next section, he kind of suddenly jumps and changes the topic here a little bit. It's kind of connected, but it, it's a, it's quite quite a big change suddenly. The next section is about leadership and management. And remember Stephen Covey, the writer, he used to be a um, consultant. He would be like an advisor. He would give advice to big companies. So he was in the world of business. So it's not surprising that in this book, often he'll have sections that are about business. That's why. So suddenly he jumps, he connects us to business. And he talks about leadership and management. What's the difference? Sometimes in business, uh, when you read business books, they kind of use these two words, you know, like they're the same, but they're different. What's, What's the difference? Leadership is dealing with the top, the biggest ideas, strategy is the word I would use, strategy. What's most important? What are the most important goals? What should we do? What are our values, right? The top, highest meaning, the highest goals of a company. That's leadership, or not just a company, really any group. Management is focused on the short-term, tactics. It's how can we achieve these goals? So the leader chooses the goals. The leader chooses the mission or missions. What's most important? That's the leader's job. Get people excited about that. Focused on that. Management then makes it happen, right? Make it actually happen. Achieve the goals. It's more day to day. That's what managers do. So in a company, typically, you know, lists the the at the highest level, there'll be a leader who's got the big vision for the company. And then there are many managers who help the whole company achieve those goals, achieve and create that vision. All right. Next, he jumps and he's still talking about this leadership and management ideas. He talks about parenting and he says that um, you, you have to have both of these, leadership and management. You need both for good groups, effective groups. Right? You have to know what's most important. Never forget that, the big picture, right? The begin with the end in mind. And then you also need some management so that each day you're working to create your big vision, your big picture. You need both. Both are important. But he says that the big danger in companies and also in families that 
often people forget the vision. They forget the leadership. They focus too much on management. They focus too much on the little small things each day and they lose the path. They're working hard, but they're going the wrong direction. The leader is driving, right? The leader is making sure, is guaranteeing that everyone's moving in the right direction. So good, good management is terrible if it's in the wrong direction. You need leadership to keep everybody going in the right direction. And he says that he thinks that parents, modern parents now, focus too much on management, right? Day to day, all the little rules and all this, the, the schedules and, you know, go running to school and then running to different activities and, you know, obeying all the little rules in, in the house. That's management. But then he thinks a lot of parents forget about the big picture. Well, why are you doing all of this? What's the purpose? What are the highest values, the biggest purpose for the family, such as love, such as creating a strong, loving, caring family, such as preparing your children to have happy lives, to be happy. So he says that parents should not forget that. Too many parents, they forget the leadership part. And because of that, they focus so much on the little rules and being so busy, busy, busy all the time that actually they make the family worse. They make it weaker because they lose some of the love, some of the closeness, some of the meaning and good feeling. And that's true. I've seen that in American families. This is a common thing in America where the parents are just busy, busy, busy. They're so focused on these little small things like uh, their children's grades. You know, what, what score do they get on tests and what grades do they get in school and getting their kids to all these extra activities, swimming lessons and baseball lessons and basketball lessons and football teams and uh, just endless and they're so busy running around doing all this stuff every single day, they never have time just to be together as a family and just relax and, you know, feel kind of a close connection, maybe be play and just have fun and laugh together and have a great time and build that strong love and connection. So they're, they got good management, but they lose what's really most important. And this can damage the families. The, the families are... The connection between the people and the family becomes a little weaker. Kind of sad. All right. Now we're changing topics again in this chapter. Tells a story. I'm going to kind of skip ahead a little bit of this. I don't think it's so important. But now we're getting to something practical. Now, something that uh, he wants you to do. <clears throat> Excuse me. He wants you to create a personal mission statement. Now again, he because he comes from the big business world, he's using this phrase mission statement, which is kind of a business phrase. But another word would be a personal philosophy or uh, your personal vision, something like that. So basically to write down, to really think deeply about your life, about what is most important to you, what is most meaningful to you, what kind of character do you want to have 
or create inside you. You know, that the big, big, big picture of your life. And then write it down. And then he gives us some examples. Some people just create a list. Some people, there's lots of different ways you can do this. But he says, basically what you want to do, though, is you want to become clear about what is most important to you in your life. What are your morals? M-O-R-A-L-S, right? What is good and true for you? What is bad, evil, wrong to you? What is most important to you? Most... you want to put your most of your time, most of your effort into what parts of your life, doing what, and being what. What kind of person do you deeply want to be? And then write it all down. Write it down so it's clear. And then you have this. This is your guide, like your guide for life to help you make decisions. So then when you're making, a, when you're very busy and you have to make these small decisions, you can look at your mission statement. You can remember it. So you make your decisions to help you create your big vision, right? You don't get lost in the little small details. You don't forget your big vision for life. Good advice. And he says, now where do you find this meaning? Where do you find this deep meaning? And he says, you got to find it in yourself. It has to come deep within you, inside of you. It cannot be focused on another person or other people, which is an interesting idea, that the core of it, the center of it, must be inside of you. And then, of course, there's another circle that would involve your family and you know people you love and all of that. But the very center of it is internal. It, this, again, we're talking about character. We're talking about internal. We're talking about your own mind. Again, beginning with your mind, beginning with you and your character, that that is the starting point. Now, some might even say your spirit, right? You could put this in a, in, think of this religiously or spiritually, and really you're talking about your own spirit, that this has to be the center. You could use the word God if you wanted to. But that's the center. It can't be another person or people or group. Those are second. First is the deepest, deepest, deepest center of yourself. When you have that center strong, then this creates, this will create more power in your life. This will create more um, vision, more of a guidance. You know, you know what you want to do, direction. You'll have a life direction, will be more clear. This will create more security, more confidence for you. And this will create more wisdom. You'll begin to understand and learn more deeply. All of these come from knowing that center of yourself, that deep character. Okay, next section, he calls it alternative centers. He gives an idea of what you should not make your center, what cannot be your center. And he just gives lots of examples of things outside of you. And many of these are positive things or positive people. But he's saying they can't be the center because the center is internal. And so he mentions um, spouse-centered. Some people focus completely on their husband or wife. Of course, that's important. But he's saying you can't make it your center because what if the person divorces you, for example? 
Maybe they, maybe they change their mind and they leave. Well, now your whole life's destroyed. If that's your meaning, then your life has no meaning after that. And indeed, many people get divorced and their whole life falls apart and they're lost. So that's why it's not important. Also, it puts too much stress on your husband or your wife because you're trying to get meaning from them instead of having the meaning inside of you and then sharing it, right? If you try to take the love and you need to get, get, get from your husband or your wife, you're trying to take, take, take and get all of that, well, then you're not really adding so much, right? You're kind of in a weak position and this creates a lot of stress in a relationship. Instead, you want to have that strong center inside of yourself, the meaning, the purpose inside of you. And then with that, you then share that with your husband or wife, and you can create then a very strong and powerful and close uh, marriage. Okay, then other, you know, then it just, it's basically all these other examples. It's the same idea. Each example is something outside of you, and that's why it cannot be the center, right? Your family, same problem. Money is even more obvious if you focus on money. Well, what if you lose your money? Well, then you'll be miserable, very unhappy. Work, same problem. It, these are not bad things. It's just you cannot, it can't be your center. That's all. Possessions, things that you own. Pleasure, that's another one, right? Pleasure, right? You know, enjoy feeling good. You know, this is how people become drug addicts. They focus on pleasure as their center, as the most important thing in their life. Pleasure, pleasure, pleasure. They're always trying to feel good physically. Well, this will destroy you eventually. You know, small little pleasures are okay in life and they're nice to enjoy, even big ones. But if you grab onto them and you try to make them the center of your life, they will destroy you. And drug addicts are the perfect example of this. I mean, drugs feel good. That's why they take them, okay? They don't feel bad. They feel good. That's why people take heroin, because it feels fantastic. I'm guessing I've never tried heroin, but... They don't become addicted because it feels bad, okay? It's pleasurable. So pleasure has a danger if you try to make it the center of your life, if you try to hold on to it, if you try to make it meaningful when it's not. Uh, what else? Um, Friend-centered, enemy-centered, basic. All These are all the same ideas. Even, you know, other group-centered. Group Church, church-centered. Again, now he's Christian, so it seems strange he might say church-centered on the church is bad. But why would he say this? I think, and I think I agree with him, because the church is an organization. It's a group of people. Again, he's not saying church is bad. Um, he's a Christian, so I think he probably was a member of a church. He's just saying it can't be your center. Why? Well, if we say it in a religious way, the church is not God. The church is a group of people. What if those people, you know, make mistakes? They would, they do make mistakes. What if the church changes and it's not that, it's not very good? Again, does that mean you have no meaning? Does that mean your whole life is destroyed? No, because the church cannot be the center. The center is what? I'll give you, let's give you his answer and then I'll give you my opinion about it. Self-centered. Here's an interesting one. 
He says, self-centered, this is the most common one today. This means selfishness, means it's that I am most important. Me, 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 me. Now, I'm s he's like, you know, on one hand, you do need to pay attention to yourself, but there's still a weakness in that because it can make you very selfish and that can actually make you unhappy. So what should it be? His answer, principles. Now, I disagree with him here, but let's talk about... Uh, his ideas, and I'll give you kind of my version of it. Principle. What is a principle? A principle, again, is, is kind of like a deep value. It's, it's, he's talking about your character. So, okay, I do agree with him about this. That that's what you should make your center. It's, it's these deep, deep, true principles. And what he's talking about, again, is character. So things like truth, honesty generosity, things like that. So it's kind of like the your, 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 your rules. So he's saying that the principles, the principles are at the center, right? And then from there, those principles are, are, it's like the foundation, it's the center. And then connected to that, then that's your friends, your family, your husband and your wife, your community, your church or, or temple or mosque or whatever, your neighbors, whatever, you know, your business. All of these things then are on top of that, the, the principles, principles. Another, I don't really like the word principles. This is why I'm disagreeing with him a little bit here. Yeah, let's talk about that now. So I'll give you my opinion now. I, principles, the reason I don't like it, again, it's kind of like our last book. It's just, I think it's a bad word choice. Because um, I understand what he's saying. Principles are like values, you know, what is important to you. Um, also has a little bit of the idea of rules. But it's. I think it's a bit of a weak word. I think he's using this word because of his business background. I would use a more spiritual or religious um, word because it's... Older, it's stronger. So I would say morals, M-O-R-A-L, morals. Um, I would say, you know, if you want one word, just say God. God or Tao or Dharma. <laughs> um, that's the word. I would just use one word, that that has to be your center. Because then it's not just, it's not you, it's not selfish. And this traditionally, through all different cultures that would have been the answer and it's a more powerful word he can't use that word because he's he's writing for a business audience mostly i think so he has to avoid any kind of uh, religious or spiritual word but i believe you know allah that would be another one um brahman choose your word but that is really what he's talking about i believe but he, he can't really say that. So he's using principles, which is eh, it's kind of a weak word, I think. Another word, if you want one that's non-religious, those of you who are not religious, I can give you a phrase that gives you the same idea, uh, and that is with natural law. Natural law. Natural law is, um, is the idea that there are, is a, is a, 
natural law in the universe that that everything follows not just physics but that there are actually psychological laws there's you know we could say spiritual laws laws of what is good what is true what is beneficial what is helpful what will give you the most happiness in life and you don't so you don't even have to use the word god you can say natural law the 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 old philosophers of uh, rome and greece would use this phrase of natural law sometimes uh, even like a Christian writer like C.S. Lewis. He was a Christian, but he liked to write about this same phrase, natural law, because it's not a specifically religious word. It's a, it's a very, very old idea and a very powerful idea that there are certain ways of living, certain ways of thinking, certain ways of you know, speaking and acting that will bring greater happiness to you and to everyone around you. And there are other ways of thinking and speaking and acting that will create unhappiness and pain and you know, uh, suffering. And so, again, the center would be natural law to follow, to find, you know, sometimes we have to figure it out. <laughs> it's not always clear, but to find that natural law and follow it that creates the greatest happiness, the greatest good for ourselves and everyone around us. So I believe those are much stronger words. I think those that's a better way to say it. Either natural law, if you want to avoid a religious word, I would say natural law. Or if you just want to be really quick and strong with it and if you're okay with a religious word you know just god in english it would be god but you can choose whatever you know buddhists would say something like dharma um or buddha dharma or dharmakaya and you know hindus might say brahman and muslims would say allah you know etc right you get the idea but i'll just say natural law so i'll keep it general here and, and not religious i'll just say i'll use the phrase natural law but that's what we're talking about so that is this is this is my opinion it's not what Stephen Covey's saying but I believe that is really the strongest center that's where you need to find that center you could even just use the word truth <laughs> okay because natural law is really about finding the deepest truths those deep 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 truths or you could say something like truth and beauty Many people have used different words, different phrases to describe this idea. I think they're all more powerful and more beautiful than principle. Principle is a kind of a, it's an okay word. I use it sometimes. I like it. Uh, in, but what he's trying to say for something being the center of, you know, your very center, I think we need a more powerful word. You could also just say spirit or soul. That would be another way to say it. You know, you're, that's deep center. And that that has to be where you find the deepest meaning. That's the, the foundation of everything else in your life. On top of that, you add everything else. All your relationships, all of your activities, everything on the outside is on top of that. Okay, how do you figure that out now? How do you find out what that is? What does that look like? How do you find that out? Well, that can take a long time, but it's, it's a process of... Your whole life, probably. But you can start right now and get a basic vision, a basic idea of the kind of life you want. 
and you do it kind of like he described the beginning of this chapter. You maybe you imagine your your funeral and what kind of life and what kind of person do you want to be? Do you hope? Or you can, there's lots of other ways you can do it. But basically, you just sit down and start. you can start writing just very quickly. But the main idea is to think big, to think of your whole life, to think many, 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 many years, right? The big picture of your life, not just right now, not next week, not even next year, but five years from now, 10 years from now, 30 years from now. What's most important? What's most good and true? What do you, who do you want to be? Not on the outside with lots of money, that's okay, but on the inside, on the inside, who do you want to be? Okay, then he, he, uses, he talks about affirmations in the next section which is kind of a, a sentence where you just, basically it's a positive sentence. So he says, you want to describe this in a positive way. When you're writing out your mission statement, you're describing your vision for your life, what's important to you, at your center, right? Those values, your character, all of those things. Use positive language. So for example, just it's just, this is very simple, it's, but it's a good idea. Um, you could... Let's say you want to talk about honesty. I want to be an honest person. Well, you could say it in a negative way. You could write out, I don't want to lie. I don't want to be dishonest. That's a negative sentence, right? I do not. I do not want to be a liar. It's, it's the same idea, but it's, 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 you're, it's, you're writing it, you're saying it in a negative way. You're using the word not. You're just describing what you don't want. So he's saying that's not so good. That's not clear. It gives you a kind of a bad vision when you imagine it. Instead, say it in a positive way. So instead you would say, I am an honest person. I want to live an honest life. I want to be an honest and I want to speak honestly and truthfully. See, it's, it's the same idea, honesty, but you're saying it with positive words instead of negative. So say what you want, not what you don't want. That's what an affirmation is. To affirm, right? It means to um, state in a positive way. You know, you like, sir, I will be patient. I will work hard I will, to help other people, all right? Whatever, right? Positive statements, positive statements. And then he says you can do, you then put them together. So you have a mission statement. It's a lot of these statements. They're positive. And you, maybe it's just a long list. You can just make a long list. It might be half a page. It might be three pages. It's up to you. Just writing down all the things that are important to you for that big vision of your life. And then the next thing he says is to imagine it. Some of you guys know about like, you know, this idea of the secret or visualizations, but basically you just want to see it in your mind, you know, with, with your eyes and, and, and even emotionally you want to feel it, imagining it's already true, right? So let's say you, you say, I'm going to be honest. 
well then you want to you know imagine yourself speaking in an honest way being an honest person how do other people see you you actually want to close your eyes and imagine it visualize it right it means to see it in your mind this will make it stronger so you will naturally move in that direction more it will become more powerful in your life this is a way of programming your mind this is basically it can also be called NLP. It's a kind of mental programming. This happens all the time to you. This is what television does to you every single day. Every image you see, it's, it's a little bit of programming in your mind with pictures and words. Well, you can do this to yourself. It's powerful. In fact, it's better to do it to yourself so you choose positive programs. When other people do it to you, often it's not positive. Okay, next he gives some advice about still talking about the mission statement, writing this philosophy for life. And he says, um, one thing you can do, you can have a general section, and then also you can have a section about your roles in life, R-O-L-E. This is where you talk about the different areas of your life. What kind of person will you be in each area? So this is where you talk about being a husband or a wife. So he gives examples. Husband or wife, father or mother, sister or brother. He's a Christian, so he put Christian on his. You could put, you know, Buddhist, Muslim, Hindu, whatever. Uh, neighbor. Uh, next one's a business thing. Scholar means a, a student. Um, business person. Whatever. Whatever you are. Right? So you kind of put the different roles, the different areas of your life, and then you describe at the deepest level what... What kind of person do you want to be? What kind of character do you want to have when you're in that position, right? So when you're, let's say, husband, you're married, you're a, you're a man, you're, a, you're married. So as a husband, what kind of person do you want to be as a husband? What kind of husband? Deep inside your character, what, what's most important in that part of your life to be on the inside? Again, if, if you're a woman, you're a mother, same thing. What's, what are the most important things for you internally, your character? Not, not external, right? Not behavior, not management. We're talking about inside. What kind of person, what kind of character is most important to you to have as a mother? So you just go down each area of your life and you describe yourself on the inside. It's the key thing about this whole, this whole thing that he's talking about is that it's internal. That's the main point here. You're not talking about external goals. So, for example, let's say as a, maybe on one of the roles, you put business owner, right? Business person. That's fine. Maybe you're a business owner. But what you, what, in, what you would describe, you don't describe your business goals. You don't say, I will make $1 million next year. I will grow my business 300% in five years. Those are external goals. That's not what he's talking about here. This is important. Okay, so not external goals that you measure. No, no, no. It's, it's your internal character. What kind of person will you be in that position? So uh, how you would do it, let's say business owner, you say, I will be self-disciplined, honest, generous, and hardworking as a business owner. I will work hard and be cheerful. I will not 
become depressed about difficulties. I will use my business to do good in the world. You see, see the difference in that? That's what he's talking about. That you know, philosophy, character. That's all internal things about who you are, not external goals. The external goals are fine, but that's not what we're talking about in this chapter. I think next chapter is more focused on those external goals, the smaller things you want to do outside. But not here. That's not what we're talking about this week. This week, it's all inside, inside, because it's most important. This is more important. This is the big, big picture. This is the starting point. You have to be clear about this first because it's more important. Like he's saying, maybe you have a goal, I will make a million dollars next year. But what if you cheat and lie and steal to make a million dollars? You achieve the goal, but your character's bad. And you're probably going to suffer from that. The police might catch you. People might hate you. You might just be a really unhappy person. Lots of Bad results can happen from that. Not, it's not going to make you happier. So your external goal might be okay, make a million dollars, but the internal character is bad. You see the, see the difference? So you have to start with that internal character first. What kind of person will you be? Because if you're a good person like that, then even if you fail your goal, your outside goal, if you, and sometimes you will, we don't always get our goals. It happens many times we fail. But if your internal character is still good, you're okay. You'll still be happy. You'll still be strong. You'll still be okay. And then you can choose a new goal or you can try again. So that's why he's starting with the inside. That's why in chapter two, we're focusing on character, character, character with this uh, personal philosophy or mission statement. Because it's more important. It's stronger, it's deeper, it's more important than the shorter goals, which we'll talk about probably next week. Okay, moving forward now. Okay, so all of that was about yourself, just you. After you do this for yourself, he recommends, you can also do it for your whole family. So every... You know, each individual person should do this. But then you could get together with your whole family, you know, mom and dad and the kids. And you could do the same exact thing. Repeat everything we just did, but for the whole group, for your whole family. What's most important for your family? What kind of character do you want to have together as a family? What, how will you be together as a family? What are the important values? of your family, what's at the very center, the most important, deepest things for your whole family. He recommends that everybody, you should discuss this, talk even with the little kids, even with smaller children, not babies, of course, but if they're a little older, everybody joins and talks about this and you write it and create it together. And this will give a deeper meaning and purpose for your whole family and make you stronger, which I like that. That's a very nice idea. Might do it myself. And then next section, again, he's a business person. So the next section, he talks about businesses doing this. Sadly, most big businesses ignore these things. <laughs> I think anyone who's worked in a large corporation, a big, you know, really big business, they always have these mission statements and they never follow them. I mean, you remember Google? They, their mission was don't be evil. They're one of the most evil companies in the world. They just ignore them. You know, something happens to large companies. They're... 
I think for small companies, this is a great idea to have these mission statements. I think it's really a good idea uh, to be clear about this for small companies, family-owned companies, because they because you actually might follow it, <laughs> okay? But for large corporations, you know, these really super big billion-dollar companies, I think it's a waste of time because they it's just public relations. They usually do exactly the opposite of what they say in those statements. They always talk about honesty and being good and they're always lying and cheating. <laughs> so I'm going to ignore this part about the large companies. I'm not very, uh, not very positive about those large companies. There's just something, I think it's human nature that when, some, when a, a group gets too large, the, the, the goodness, the humanity disappears. I think there just something happens. It happens in governments. It happens in all large organizations. And I think it's just something connected to our uh, psychology. And that's it. That is the end of chapter two. Good. Very nice. All right. Let's go to our live, 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 live. I'm going to get some water from my voice and then I'll come back. And we'll discuss the live comments and questions from our live audience on Facebook. We're live on Facebook today. <clears throat> All right. Water for my voice. Let's see what people say. Aha. Taina says, my company is very small. I'm a wedding planner in Italy. Fantastic. I love, you know, I'm obviously I have my company super small too. Uh, one person. <laughs> Actually, not quite one person. A few people, but uh, I'm a big fan of small. You know, I like that book, Small is Beautiful. I did a lesson about it. In fact, Small is Beautiful. I just, I think uh, economically, I think for uh, most things that small scale, smaller scale, organizations, smaller sized groups are more human and therefore more good. And that something happens, it's just because of the size that even if the people are fairly good, when a, when, when a group gets too big, it, it's no longer human anymore. It becomes like a machine. And that's when the evil begins. Or that's when it, it's easy for bad people to, to control it. I don't know, both, both happen really. Uh, I think that's the reason we see so many large organizations doing bad, bad things in the world, governments and large corporations. And why, on the other hand, you know, a lot of small companies and small little businesses uh, can be very, very wonderful and, and filled with good people and do really, really nice things and really help their communities uh, and be so positive. But, you know, it's the same thing even for, I think, neighborhoods, right? If, if there's too many people, then there's no connection. Nobody knows their neighbors. The whole community dies when things become too large. Uh, you know, this, I don't know. It's just, I think our brains really cannot handle uh, too many connections. And, you know, this is, and Vadim says, yeah, because very big power makes people bad, right? That's the other part of it. I think you're exactly right. Uh, power corrupts, you know, is the famous quote. Uh, and, and absolute power corrupts. Absolutely means the more power when you, when, 
people or groups get too much power, and it's the people at the top, of course, who have the, the money and the control, they get more and more and more and more power. It corrupts them, right? It, it changes their who they are, and they it becomes an addiction, almost like a drug addiction. It's kind of it's very much like drugs. I think power can be very much like drugs. And uh, so, just as someone, you know, they they become become a heroin addict, and it can and then they become terrible. They can become terrible people. They steal and lie and it destroys their life. I think people become power addicts. They get, they love the power of controlling other people and they get more and more and more and they can never stop. It's never enough. And it also makes them do become terrible people. And you're right. So when, as a group, as a company gets bigger, 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 their power grows and the people at the top become more powerful. And this can lead in a very bad, to very bad things. Valdenizio says, uh, another good comment, mankind uh, is used to searching for happiness in material things, looking for happiness on the outside, physical things, material things. And this is nonsense. Yeah, exactly right. And I think that's what he's saying, right? You got to find it inside. It can't be something is not going to make you happy. You probably have noticed this in your own life, right? I mean, we all do this in our uh, society. We, we, you get excited about something. Ah, oh, a new car, a new computer, a new phone, a new... Just something. I even remember as a kid, a new toy. And uh, you get excited, you get excited, you get excited. You, and then you get it, and you're happy. But the happiness is very short. It, it, this thing, this thing makes you happy for a short time. And then fairly quickly... You get bored with it. It's like it just doesn't give you happiness anymore because now you're used to it. Now it's old. Now it's just the old car you've had for a year and it's not special anymore and you're really not getting any extra happiness from it. And so then you, oh, now we got to get something else. And it so it just kind of shows that these outside things don't really create a lasting happiness. They, they kind of give, it's more of an excitement, right? Kind of a, a short excitement they can give us. Very nice comment here. I can't read the script, um, but you're my teacher. I can speak English perfectly because of you. Thank you from, oh, from Lao. Yeah, I say it looked like Thai almost. Thank you very much. That's very nice. Uh, here's a nice way to put it. Uh, Rafikul Islam says, focus your time and energy on things that can be controlled. Right, which was the last chapter we talked about. Create a clear destination, and this is a great way to say it. Create a clear destination because if your ladder is against the is not against the right wall, every step you take gets you to the wrong place faster. Good point. That's exactly what he's saying. That's exactly right. Great summary of this whole chapter. <laughs> um, you could say it another way. Let's say you have a, you have a fast car. I, I say this sometimes when I do seminars. I talk about with English methods, learning methods. You, you can have, let's say you have a fast car, a Ferrari. I'm talking about Ferraris today. <laughs> and you go really fast. But if you have a bad map and you're going the wrong direction, then you're just going to the wrong place faster and faster. right? Let's say you're in New York and you want to go to Miami, but you 
drive to the west. Well, you can go very, very fast in your great Ferrari, but you're not going to go to Miami because Miami's south of New York. So if you're going west, you're going to go, you're going the wrong way very fast. And that's a great way to think about this chapter. What he's saying is you first have to know where you're going. You have to be very, very, very clear where you're going, where you want to go, who you want to be. Because otherwise, you might use a lot of energy, you might be very smart, you might be very successful, but you'll be successful doing the wrong things. You'll get success without happiness, which is a terrible thing. We can see that in Hollywood. Hollywood's a, like the perfect place to see this. Tremendous success, money, sometimes power, and definitely fame without happiness. It's, it's kind of a it's a kind of it's a kind of hell, I think. I, I think it really is to have all that success and be miserably unhappy. How sad to all that effort, all that focus just to be miserable. <laughs> you know? So First, being clear where you want to go. I think happiness is a big one for most people. Goodness, happiness, all these deeper things. Then you figure out how to get there faster or better. Good way to say it. I like that. Emmanuel, hello again with a nice... Long comment. I guess the best way in life to flourish in life is by being an autodidact, which is a vocabulary word, which basically means um, independent learner. Right? You teach yourself or you learn independently. I've noticed when I was at school, I learned almost nothing while reading lots of interesting books. I have grown much wiser compared to when I was in school. Mm. I still don't know why people want to take school lessons instead of being an independent learner and try some try something different they would improve much faster than taking some tests standardized tests in school they're almost useless in my opinion i agree with you 100 percent about that that's right and and i think one of the reasons why you know because when you're an independent learner it's coming from inside of you not from the outside think about it right to learn independently you have to do this process a little bit you have to think about what do i want to learn you have to have a vision of the direction you're going and why you choose it it comes from inside of you and then you have to figure out how do i learn this so first you decide what you want to learn that's it comes from inside you let's say english i want to speak english fluently then as an independent learner, you think, well, how can I do this? I get, you have to figure out, right, how to achieve this independently, which is also much more effective. It's proactive, very proactive. And that's why you and Effortless English uh, fans and members are much, much, much more successful. If you just go to a class, just go to English class, then you're wanting the teacher to do everything. I'll just sit here. They'll tell me what to study. They'll give me tests. And you're just performing for them. You're taking the tests for them. You're trying to get the grades for them or for somebody else, a parent or somebody. It's, you're focused on the outside instead of on the inside. I think that's why independent learning is much more effective and powerful. And I'm not just English, but really anything, anything in life. Good comments, I agree. Andre from Passel. 
Looking good too. Your picture, you also look good. Thanks, Andre. Hey, we got a big long, oh my God. A huge long update from Banya. Let's see, it's gonna cover my whole screen. I don't have to read. Okay, we can drink some water and we get our update from our traveler here. Okay, here we go. Hi, AJ. I've been quite busy with my gap year, so I couldn't find the time to watch your live shows on Facebook. No worries. Now I want to share with you some insights. Since I started leaving comments here, I have been asked by many of your followers about my gap year. Yep, we're all curious. They've all said what I'm doing is amazing and fabulous. Good word. Of course, I agree with that point, but at the same time, it feels really sad to me because these people think there's something special about me. Ah, they do not believe that only, oh, they do believe only a few people can do some crazy stuff like taking a break from our so-called education institutions, educational institutions. Right. So he's saying that um, he's happy people are giving him compliments, which is great. But on this, on he's also sad because he thinks like the people, a lot of people, he thinks like he's special, like it's so difficult to do what he's doing. But I can tell you with no doubt, there's nothing magical about my gap year. I just live my life how I want to live. I freed myself from all the worries and fears and decided to follow my own path instead. I have to emphasize, right, to stress, to point out. My parents didn't, they did not, okay, want me to go abroad and just travel around. In fact, almost no one approved of my decision. To be honest, I didn't care about that. I was tired of sitting at the classroom, so I wanted to make some huge changes in my life. And I do really realize that it's entirely up to me, it's up entirely to me, what to do with my life. Ah, see, he's realized he's the master of his own life. I've answered lots of questions from your subscribers, and I notice the most common problem people have, and that is fearing to live their own life. Amen! <laughs> I agree with you, Vanya, because of course I get lots of comments too, and I agree this is one of the most common, perhaps the most common problem I do see, and that's exactly what very well said, Vanya, fearing to live your own life. It's quite terrible. So many people just quit on their dreams. They don't follow their passions. But I'm going to do the opposite. Oh, I am doing, not I'm going to, but I am doing the opposite, which is great. Yes. So we give a big clap to Vanya. Thanks so much, Vanya, for that really fantastic um, update. I have noticed, yeah, that I figured you're busy traveling around. So no worries. I really appreciate you dropping in and giving us that nice update because I've also been very curious. I'm so happy to hear it's going well. And I agree, and I've talked about this in my podcast many times, uh, exactly what Vanya's stating. Um, how do I say it? The first step is usually the toughest, I think. I think it's it's the beginning that's the hardest, uh, wh what Vanya's doing. And anytime you want to make a big change in your life, Especially, especially when it goes against what most people do. It goes against what most people think you should do, what your parents tell you to do, what other people think you should do. 
what society expects you to do. Um, when you're in that old life, often it seems like such a difficult thing to, to do something like this. He's taking a gap year. I'll, let me explain gap year for if, if you don't know what a gap year is. Gap year is just a break from school. Uh, typically, not, it doesn't have to be, but typically it's a, it's a gap, right? A gap is a space. It's a space. So it's kind of a, it's a free time between high school and college, if we're talking about the American system. So people graduate high school. Usually the normal thing is you graduate high school and immediately, immediately you go to college or immediately you get a, like your career, your main career job. There's, there's no space, right? Leave school and then immediately to college the next, you know, the next uh, fall or immediately into your full-time job. So what a gap year is, is the idea that, well, don't immediately do those things. Instead, after high school, take some time just to tra travel is the usual thing. Just to travel. Take a year. That's why it's called a gap year. Take the year and just travel around. Or, you know, it doesn't have to be travel. Travel is probably the most common one people do for a gap year. But you could just do a year and do independent learning. Just read books on your own, by yourself. Nobody telling you what to do. You could, um, I don't know, live in a car or a van. I did that one. You could um, you just get a part-time job if you need money. And just kind of be lazy. Don't do much of anything. Just sit around and think about your life and like, what do I really want to do in my life? But that's the essential idea. The most important idea of the gap year is that it's a time for you to slow down, to leave all the, 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 the pressure of what you're supposed to do, school, full-time jobs, all of that. Get away from it, slow down, and just live your life and enjoy it and think about it. And think about basically this chapter. Think about the big picture of your life. What do you want to do with your life? What kind of life do you want? What kind of person do you want to be? And are you doing it? Is that, is that what you're doing? Or maybe you lost your way and you're actually, you're on the wrong path right now and you need to change. And it's also a great way to, to realize what uh, Vanya just said, which is that you're the master. So back to my, my point I was saying is that this seems like a scary thing to people, some people, especially when the first time you do it, the first time you do it, if, and maybe you're, you know, you're like me, my parents, my whole life, they told me college, 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 you know, which is university, American, we say college usually. They were telling me probably when I was six years old, already telling me when you go to college, you're going to college. They were programmed in my mind <laughs> that I had to go to college. Um, because in their generation, that's that was a very important thing uh, to survive, to have a good career, all that. So I don't blame them for that, but but it was the programming. And then from college, immediately full time job. Well, I, I I did go to college immediately after high school. I didn't I did not do a gap year, but while I was in college, I quickly started to realize I don't want to work some big full-time job. I don't want to work for a big company. I don't even know what I want to do. I don't even know why I'm in school. I was in school, in college. I didn't know what to study. I changed my 
it's called major, but it's the, my topic of study for my degree. I constantly changed it. I had no idea what, I really didn't know why I was there. I was just there because my parents had sort of programmed me to go to college. I had a good time. I had fun socially, but, um, but in other ways, it probably was a lot of wasted time. But after that, I realized, uh, okay, I'm not going to just keep following this programming. I've got to figure out what I want from life. I don't know. The main thing I realized, I want to travel. I want to see the world. I want to travel. I want freedom. I want freedom of my own time. I want time to get up when I want to get up. I want to see new places. I want to read books that I choose, not that the school tells me I have to. And so I, you know, for a while I did part-time jobs just because I needed money, but it still gave me a lot of free time. I've told, I've talked about other stories. I lived in a car for a while. I lived in a van. I taught English in other different countries, lots of trips to other countries, many ways of doing it. And honestly, I agree with Vanya. It's, it's really not that tough. It's not easy to do the first step, the first time, because it's, it's the fear of the unknown. That's really the thing that stops people. It's just fear. It's all it is is fear. It's not rational fear. Okay, you're not going to die. You're not going to starve. You just need to simplify your life. If you live simply, you can cut, cut, cut your expenses very low. It's easy to do in the modern world. And then you have the freedom to have all that time. So if you've thought about doing something like what Vanya's doing, just do it. Just do it. There's nothing to fear. You can always go back to school. Okay? That's what I always say. It's not a life decision for your whole life. Okay? You can change your mind after six months if you want to. You can go back to school. You can get a job at any time. Um, so just do it. Try it. Just try it. There's nothing to fear. Nothing to fear. Vanya is completely right about that. It's really the fear that stops people. I do understand that it's scary because it's something weird and different and unknown. But take that first step or the first couple steps. And then very quickly, like Vanya is saying, you, you realize, oh, it's not that bad. It's actually, this is pretty easy. In fact, it's really fun. It's great. I've got all this free time now. You're going to find that it's actually very enjoyable. Okay, so um, Hardy saying this is another way to be positive as much as you can by perusing two main life strategies. The first, trust your abilities by connecting them with Allah, which he has in quotes. So Allah, God, Brahman, whatever word you want to use, the word is not important, honestly, but you know what we're talking about. So start there at your center. And the second is just keep, don't give up. Trusting in, right? Our VIP uh, lesson actually this month is kind of, making a similar point to what he's saying, is that, you know, trusting in that deep center of God, Allah, natural law, whatever phrase you want to use that's, that is powerful for you, depending on your religion. But that, to just, this is the meaning of faith. Um, this is one reason I love uh, Walden by Thoreau, one of my favorite American book probably, is that he talks about this as well, this, this faith, this deep, deep, deep faith that you develop that gives you this strength. Why? Because what is faith? Faith means that you you 
are focused on that deep, deep, deep center. And you realize that it cannot be destroyed. It cannot be destroyed. It cannot be changed. It cannot be controlled by anything on the outside or anyone on the outside. And that the more you feel that and realize that, that that power comes from deep, deep, deep inside you, the, that strength, whatever you want to call it, it, it gives you this super confidence. It reduces a lot of fear in your life. And then you have the, the faith, the confidence to move forward in your life and to, to do what's most important without fear. So Hardy very nicely said, and I agree. It connects back to Vanya's point. Um, because I know what people say next. Well, how do I overcome the fear? How do I overcome the fear of doing something like that, like a gap year? Because I'm afraid and... You say, don't be afraid, but I am afraid. Well, you know, finally, I just have to say the answer is faith. I, there, you, you, because you, you can never know until you do it, okay? There's, there's never um, a guarantee in life for anything. So you just have to have faith. We call it a leap of faith. This is why it's called. Leap means jump, a jump of faith, because there is a gap there. There's a point where you just must say, I don't know, I'm not sure, but I'm going to do it anyway. I'm afraid. I don't know. I'm unsure. But I'm still going to just do it. All right? That's faith. That's what faith is, right? I'm just going to do it and trust, trust myself, trust God, trust the universe, trust whatever, that even if I fail, it's going, it's, I'll still be okay. And again, of course, be intelligent about it, right? We've talked about this last week about risk. You know, you don't just jump off a building and have faith, right? Because you're going to die because there is this natural law. And part of natural law is physics. If you jump off a building, you will fall. Gravity will pull you to your death. Okay, so it doesn't mean to be stupid. But something like taking a gap year, something like starting a business, um, all these kind of things in life will not kill you. Okay? You're not going to die. You might fail, but you won't die. And so in those situations, just have faith and just have faith. Because even if, you know, it's not all good, you're still probably going to learn so much. If you have that faith and you just take those steps, take those actions, you know, intelligently, you're going to, so many things, you just have no idea, so many positive things can happen that you cannot imagine. And sometimes even the difficult things are positive because you learn so much from them. So there is a point where finally there is just that answer of faith. You just have to, you know, have some faith and just go forward. Okay? Because nobody, if you need 100% guarantee, if you need to be sure, if you need to be fearless completely, no fear at all, then you're never doing anything in life. You're, you will never do anything. Because there's always some uncertainty. There's always some fear. Right? For most of us. And so you just have to, uh, just going to do it. <laughs> okay? You just got to find that faith somehow. Carol with a nice comment. Here we go. Most people just love getting busy and can't stand inactivity. A very good point. When inactivity comes to us, then they're filled with empty. Oh, then they fill the emptiness with distractions. Probably because they don't want to think too much 
about the deep topics such as Stephen Covey invites us to do. Good point, and you are very correct, I believe. Going deep into themselves is something people are afraid of. Being honest with yourself is the first big step. Ooh, very good points indeed. Let's start at the beginning again. I have noticed this. Americans, um, I would say, I'm sad to say, um, this is kind of a stereotypical American that a lot of Americans are very talk, 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 talk. They're very talk and very active. And not all, you know, I'm American. I'm not this way, but um, many are. And uh, and I, I, you're right. It's it's it, because when you're bored, when there's when you're not distracted by TV, phone, constantly. Well, then what happens? You start thinking, right? And why do people not like that? Well, because when they think deeply, like this this chapter, they, they may start getting thinking and thoughts that they don't like. They might start feeling or thinking that, oh, maybe I'm not happy right now. I'm not really happy. Or what I'm doing is not meaningful to me. Right? These, these kind of thoughts can come up when, in those quiet moments. Realizing that I'm working hard, but I'm going the wrong direction. And people don't like to think about that. It's, 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 it's an uncomfortable thought sometimes. It's a scary thought. It scares people because they, they're just doing what they're programmed to do, right? Go to school, go to college, get this job. Da, da, da. They're not thinking about it, any of this stuff. Not thinking about anything deeper inside. And so if it's quiet and then suddenly those thoughts come up, ah, that's scary, right? Scary because if they listen to those thoughts, if they follow those thoughts, then they have, maybe they have to change their life, which can also be very scary. We just talked about that. And so what do a lot of people do, immediately turn, the, turn on the TV, immediately play music, immediately do something to distract, to avoid thinking about the big picture, to avoid thinking deeply, to avoid those uncomfortable thoughts, those fears. Yeah. Ooh, that's really good, Carol. Carol, you always have really deep thoughts on these. Being truly honest with yourself is the first big step and maybe the hardest, right? Very tough. It is it's tough. I mean, it's a hard thing. Imagine that. It was a hard thing for me. This is a small example, but it was a hard thing for me to realize that I graduated from college after four and a half years. <laughs> and to, it was hard to be honest and say, I just kind of wasted four years of my life. And I just kind of wasted some of my parents' money. <laughs> you know, <laughs> to realize that I didn't even know why I was there. I graduated, I had a journalism degree. And the day I graduated, I knew 100%, I knew I did not like journalism and that I would never be a journalist. But that was my degree. That's what I, my first degree. So that's, you know, it's a little uncomfortable to admit that, to realize that, and to be honest about it with yourself. It's tough. A, a, a tougher example, some people will work in a job or a career 10 years, 15 years, 20 years. They're 40 years old. And they start thinking about it and they realize, I, I hate this job. I hate this career. I don't like it. What am I doing? I always wanted to do something else. 
I'm so much happier doing something else. This is a miserable job. Miserable, miserable. I've been wasting all these years. That's hard for someone to be honest about. Because then, and it can be scary because then what do you do about that? If you're honest, then you have to say, well, I, so what do I do? Do I quit? Do I start something else? That maybe I'll make much less money. If I change my career now, I'm going to make much less money. That's scary. And so people, uh, they just, they don't want to think about it. I'm not saying there's, I mean, I'm not saying which choice is correct. Maybe someone decides to still work and make the money. But at least be honest about it. At least, well, you know, I hate this, but I'm making money for my children, for example, and I'm going to find other ways to be happy. But it has to start with being honest with yourself and taking this time to do this. And, the, you know, of course, doing this earlier in your life when you're younger is better because you have more years, hopefully. It can have a great effect. But any age, you can do this when you're 70 if you want to and probably should. Merrick with a nice comment, um, which is connected, I believe, to uh, Vanya's. Let me just enlarge this a bit. Here we go. And hey, Merrick, good to see you again. It's only by being on the edge that we know who we are and what we really need. When, you, when you've hit a wall, then you wanted to make a difference. You just don't have any other way, unless you want to be stuck in the same place for the rest of your life. Everybody has to make a choice. Stay in a safe environment or find yourself in a difficult position. Yeah, also very well said. On the edge, right? And, and on the edge, it's a, good, it's a good phrase to use, actually, because the edge, right? The, the, the line between un, being comfortable and being uncomfortable. And I agree, it, it is right in that middle, that, right on that edge. If you're, if you're super, super uncomfortable and miserable and unhappy, that's no good, not, at least not for a long term. But if you're too comfortable... You can be, it's too easy to become safe, to not think anymore. You're not challenged. You got to be on the edge. It's, everyone understands this physically. It's super obvious with our bodies. No, nobody can, will argue against this, right? With your body. If you're just too comfortable with your body and just sitting around all the time and you never challenge your body, your body will get weaker and weaker and weaker. You'll get sicker and sicker and sicker eventually. Of course, if you stress your body too much, you're going to be injured so it's the middle. You've got to push your body, challenge it with exercise, right? Just enough to make it stronger, 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 stronger. Right? It's right on that edge. Well, it's the same mentally, spiritually. That I, I, You're right. I think we're just created to need challenge. You, you could call it evolution. You could call it, uh, you, know, uh, you know, we're created this way, whatever. But... um. We need it. We need some level of difficulty, some level of challenge. It's part of who we are as human beings. Even animals, too, need this. And that's a lot of times when people, too, when they're, like, when they're lost, I think, uh, again, connecting back to Vanya a little bit, when people feel lost, I don't know what to do, what should I do in my life, I have no meaning, I have no purpose, and they don't know how to find it. And... I think too often, too much, they just, they hope, they think if they just sit around and think about it, I'll just, just every day I'll think and think and think and think and think, and that's how to find my purpose. That's how to find more meaning, more happiness in my life. But it's, that helps some, but not enough. Many times, if you, 
maybe you do that for a month or a year sometimes, and you're thinking, thinking, and you still can't answer the question about meaning and purpose and values, about character, about your mission, then probably what you need is challenge. You need to be challenged because when you're in a tough situation, fighting, fighting, having to learn and grow, often you will discover, you'll find meaning and purpose and ideas even in the middle of that. Sometimes you need to be pushed a little more and that's how you find it. So again, even if you're not sure, just take the leap of faith. Just jump and do it. Whatever do it is, you know. Some people, For some people, it means starting a business. Some people, a gap year. Some people, uh, travel. Some people, whatever, starting a family even. Whatever it is, but take the leap of faith. Jump in. The challenge can help you find that meaning and purpose. Okay. Hasina, uh, with an, uh, simple and correct comment. The schools focus more on personality, therefore most people forget about character. They focus 100% on personality and, well, at this time in history, in, in, uh, <laughs> uh, at least in America, they focus zero on character. It used to be, you know, long ago, before I was born, back in the 1800s, um, that they had the idea in schools of teaching character. So not just math and science and blah, 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 you know, um, but also they would teach character, to be honest, to be patient, to be good, all these things. They would teach this. But now that's gone. At least in America, I'd say in North America, so Canada's for sure, probably all of the West and probably most of the world now, schools do not teach character. Indeed, most of the teachers don't have it, so how can they teach it? And so you're right, they're only teaching these very basic skills and often they're not teaching character or even indirectly teaching bad character. Or even directly, I guess. Okay, Lisa again. Hello. Hi Jay, there are lots of good advices. For me, it's always very important to have this clear picture in my mind, but it only comes when I have a clear decision. Good point. It begins only with my strong decision. If I create this clear picture in my mind, then I can create it. Sometimes I had to change my mission picture in my life, but it always was a very exciting process. And I learned a lot about my myself. Yes, yes, yes. Good point. And uh, it kind of, uh, she's really showing, again, how we need both of these things. And I think in the next chapter, we're, we're going to talk about this more. So I won't talk too much now, but there's this deep, you know, kind of thinking, contemplation. We can, it's a nice word. Contemplation means to think deeply um, about these deep, big picture things. Very important. But we also need action. You've got to take action. You've got to make decisions. That's the weak point for a lot of people. Some people, it's too much action and they're not thinking about the big picture, right? So they're moving the wrong direction. They're moving fast in the wrong direction. Other people will think about these big ideas and they'll think very deeply, but then they, they don't take action. They don't do anything about it. 
They just keep thinking and thinking and thinking and thinking and thinking and thinking and dreaming and dreaming and thinking and dreaming and dreaming and thinking and talking and talking. And then many years go and nothing changes because they don't have any action. They have a nice destination, a nice idea, but they they never move. So we got to have both. Excellent point. Okay, here's a nice question. Let's see if I can answer it. How can we know if we're on the right or the wrong way as long as things tend to change several times? Okay, well, this is, again, why you have to find this center. And it's why I don't like uh, Stephen Covey's using the word principles because it's a, it's a weak word. You've got to find these really powerful, deep, 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 you know, whatever, character, traits, but even deeper than that, faith. You've got to find that. It takes time, I know this, but, but even your first steps will help you a lot. Because when you have that, that deep center that is so strong, then you can look at every other part of your life and you know, basically, if you're moving in a right or wrong direction, or maybe just neutral, it doesn't matter. You know, some things in life, just you, you, like you brush your teeth. Okay, you have to brush your teeth. Is it a big issue? No, but if you want to keep your teeth, you brush your teeth. It's kind of a neutral thing. It's just a basic thing for surviving and living. But so, no, so there's no deeper purpose to it so much. But many things in life, you know, it's good. So this, for example, then, if you have this kind of deep center, this, this, this natural law, this moral law, God, truth, whatever you want to call it. Um, I'll just keep saying natural law so I don't have to say that long phrase every time. Let's say if you have this this natural law and you're at least a little bit clear about it, then you can look at things in your life and decide, am I living in this way? Am I following this? You can, so then let's say you're dating, you're a young person, you're a guy and you meet a girl and you start dating and it's going. And, you know, maybe you're excited, but you can, maybe every day, maybe every week, you can, you think again, you go back to your center, that natural law, those, those central laws or principles, and you look at them, and then you look at your relationship with this girl, and you look at this girl, and you say, does it fit? Does she fit? And sometimes you might kind of realize, no, not really. I'm attracted to her. Oh, she's so exciting. But maybe there's some things about her that are not so good. Maybe she's not very honest. Right? Maybe there's some other things. And you can kind of see that. And so even though you have all this emotion, you have this center that helps to guide you and that will show you and tell you with time, this is really not a good person to be with. It doesn't mean she's evil or something, but you can just start to realize, ooh, she does not match this core for me. And then you can make a decision. Uh, I'm not going to see this girl anymore. And, and, of course, the opposite can happen, too. You can meet a girl, and then you, as the time goes dating her, you start to realize, ah, she very much matches this. So it's not just about the excitement of the emotion. Just the excitement of the emotion for that kind of dating relationship for something long-term is a really bad, bad, bad way to choose. Just that. Because it can lead you in terrible directions. <laughs> okay? So if you have something deeper... 
this will help you choose more wisely. And it's not just dating, it's anything in life. You can do the same thing. It just takes time. You got to just work at it. It's not, it's not instant. And then Andre uh, mentions, in my opinion, happiness is to be meaningful to surrounding people. He's talking about contribution now. And, you know, really the second half of this book is focused on that. So this chapter, we're, we're focused on getting that center part of ourselves and fighting that center. And then the next chapter, we'll focus on a little more on those practical goals, the shorter term goals, you know, the all the things you want to get and achieve in life. That'll end the first half of the book. The second half of the book, then we go to the outside. Then we'll start looking at other people. How do you, because of course we're not completely alone. Um, so yeah, we're not, it's not that we're going to ignore that. We're not ignoring that uh, other people. It's just that we're starting on the inside and then going out in that circle, right? Rafikul says, thanks, my great coach, for reading my comment. Ah, whenever you read my comment, I get super excited. <laughs> okay, <laughs> no worries. All right, my voice is getting a little tired. We are an hour and a half going, so we're almost done, I think. Natalia says, me and my wise husband, Vadim, listen to you every morning from Kiev, Ukraine. Kiev, Ukraine loves you. Thank you very much. That's nice. Okay, guys, I think it's time to go. Thank you so much. This was a good chapter. Also very nice. Some good ideas. Very good idea of, of you know, kind of getting to that center. Again, we get to some a little bit deeper ideas than I expect sometimes from Stephen Covey. Uh, I think it's because Stephen Covey was a business writer. I, I usually think of him as a business writer. And, and he does have sections that clearly are focused on big business. Not my favorite parts, honestly. But I often forget that he also has other parts that are very deep and very spiritual, in fact. Uh, spiritual, ethical, moral. And that's why I like this book. Those are the thing, Those are the parts that I quite like about this book. And I think that's what makes this book different than most business books or self-help books. Because a lot of business, especially business-type self-help books, do not have that, right? There's no... There's no God, there's no spirit, there's nothing like that in it. There's no character. It's just, you know, make money, achieve results, become strong, get get the woman you want, all that kind of stuff, but missing the center. So I like that about Stephen Covey. I like, that's the thing, that's the favorite thing about this book for me, my favorite thing, is this, is that he focuses on these very large and deep ideas of character, natural law, his word is principle. So very nice. Very nice. Quite like it. Next week, we will do um, chapter three. Now, chapter three, I think we'll we'll start getting now focused on more on what kind of normal goals. Moving to that next week. Now, in between, we have Christmas time. So if you celebrate Christmas, Merry Christmas to you. Have a great Christmas. And we'll be back next. Let me look on the week, my calendar quickly just to see the dates. Yeah. We can be back next week before the new year. We got one more book club for this book before the new year. Our last one of 2018. Have a wonderful week. Of course, remember, you know, I do audio podcast also, not just video. 
Most of you probably know this already following my audio podcast, getting audios almost every day, not every day, but close to every day. But some of you only watch on YouTube. If you're do only watching videos, you're missing 80% of the show. So please follow the Effortless English Podcast. How do you do that? Get a podcast app. Any one, doesn't matter. Any of the free podcast apps will work. And then just search Effortless English Podcast. You'll find it. Subscribe. You get it automatically after that every time. It's free, free, free. And finally, as always, join my VIP program. Join my VIP program at EffortlessEnglishClub.com. Speak fluently. Speak powerfully. Speak effortlessly. Join my VIP program and commit at EffortlessEnglishClub.com. Lots of love to you and Merry Christmas.